Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, it's felt the Holy Spirit whisper something about. I, is there someone here with some sort of issue with their hearing? It may even be a, some sort of tumour or something like this uh, within their ear or I think even possibly brain. Is there any, anyone like that? I'm going to step out with a risk straight away. We'll talk about risk over success. Anyone need, anyone need hear, hearing healing? Okay, we'll go with that for a moment. So if there's any, any sort of lump or anything like that, just keep your hands up. This is where we minister to one another. So if you're near these people, let's just lay hands on them, can we? Believe them for the kingdom to come even now. Tinnitus as well. I'm going to go after that. Where there's a hand up, you are ministers of the kingdom, citizens of heaven, so you don't need the, the guy at the front to do this. Someone else has got a word of knowledge about a pain behind their neck. God wants to heal. Just, just below the neck, that's yeah, a hand up here. Anyone else? Lord, we just say, minister in this place right now. Let your kingdom come right now, Lord. Let your kingdom come right now in Jesus' name. So Holy Spirit. You feel faith is coming. Faith is here. God is here. Come, Lord. Blocked colon. Someone else would have blocked colon as a word of knowledge. Any stomach conditions, feel free just to... Lift your hand if you want, or just nudge the person next to you, pray. Stomach conditions, go in the name of Jesus. Allergies, go in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. If you're still praying, that's fine. I don't mind a bit of chaos. Um, one of the things I'm learning is that the Holy Spirit whispers and, and we just need to learn to be sensitive to him. Um, I think it'd be all right to share, but I, I don't know if you were in the meeting last night, I just, just literally heard this. I just felt the Holy Spirit whisper about someone with MS in the back corner of the room or the, the left side of the room and just heard this morning that there was a lady with MS there uh, and she just felt God touch. I just think she felt God touch her. I don't know if she's healed, but for me it was about God knows you by name knows the number of hairs on your head and calls you out amongst 2,000 people uh, and, and, and he's such a good dad, isn't he? Uh, and so we're talking about ministering a kingdom now and not yet, a kingdom that is actually full of the love of God. It's about loving the person in front of us and ministering the mercy uh, and the grace and the love of God. So I am going to teach. Uh, the only way I can distinguish between teaching and preaching is when I'm preaching, I shout. That's it. That's all I've got. That's, 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 uh, so I, what, what I want to do is uh, take us through uh, so, that, so that we've basically got a framework. You've got notes uh, galore. I'm not sure whether we'll stick to them or not. We're already off them. Uh, and so you can take those away. They've been produced wonderfully by Rachel. She's my PA. She makes me look good. So uh, thank you, Rachel. Um, and so you've got notes. But I want to build a theological framework around the kingdom. I want, I want then to build a, pro, a, a framework or a lens by which we can process what it is when we, when we go through victories and when we hit defeats. Uh, and then I want to help us remove some of the common roadblocks to seeing the kingdom come uh, so that we can begin to minister more effectively uh, in terms of the kingdom. So here's the teaching bit. So there are over 100 references to the kingdom in the first three Gospels. It's an important theme. John the Baptist and Jesus began their ministries by proclaiming the kingdom. Jesus said that the kingdom of God is a priority. Jesus gives kingdom authority to his disciples. He says, I'm giving you the keys of the kingdom. Jesus trains his disciples to spread the kingdom of God. They're out praying for the sick, ministering, setting people free. That Jesus spent his last 40 days preaching about the kingdom of God, and all the major leaders of the New Testament were said to have preached the kingdom of God. And if you look at the book of Acts, it's kind of bookended in terms of the kingdom beginning and end, uh, and it's an emphasis of the kingdom. In fact, I would say the book of Acts, I mean, what, uh, what do we call it? The, the Acts of the Holy Spirit, or the Acts of the Apostles, or the Acts of both combined, or uh, how, whatever we call it. There's, a, there's on display a community that have understood who they are in God, understood their authority, and then minister the kingdom of God. And Acts is the book that says, that's what it looks like. And for some of us, we thought, yeah, that was then, and we don't see that stuff now. I'm telling you, we see more and more and more uh, of the same things. And so, 
So the application for today is one of the big transformations I believe that needs to happen is for Christians or the church to have a biblical understanding of the kingdom and then apply that to everyday life. In fact, I'd say it like this. An understanding of the biblical concept of the kingdom of God is vital to living out radical Christian lives. It impacts our priorities, what we should expect to see on earth, the authority which we live and pray. What we're looking ahead for explains why there is still pain and heartbreak in the world. It helps us understand why everyone does not get healed. It helps us understand the grand sweep of scripture and what God's plan is and where it's all heading. Okay, And so... If you read your Bible, you are allowed to read to the end ahead, okay? It's not like a novel, okay? So we know where this is ending, don't we? Four of you. You should try, I mean, try it. It's in Revelation. Try and read it. It's a good book, actually. Revelation 21, particularly, in terms of what we're looking to see. Uh, And so I'm not going to read every quote because we haven't got time. But to say this, mega grand themes, is that... The Old Testament paints a picture uh, of a kingdom, uh, and you can particularly read it when you look at books like Isaiah and Daniel. In fact, Phil Wilfie puts it like this way. These books are like the, the IMAX cinema of the Old Testament that display something of what's coming. And they, they were hoping, looking ahead for a saviour, a messiah, uh, who would bring about victory, really military victory, who would, who would restore them in a way to the golden years uh, of David and, and others, and, and that they would see this, this breakthrough uh, and restoration of their kingdom. And the prophets predicted it. They said social problems will disappear, the pain will go, it will it'll be back to the kind of pinnacle uh, of the hope of what God's put in our hearts for this. And, and so they were looking for a day of full restoration. And they hung on to prophecies, and you can read the, you know, what Jeremiah prophesied. In fact, I'm reading through the Bible again uh, in a year this year. I don't know if anyone else is doing that. It's, it's quite a commitment, but it's, it's beautiful chronologically. I'm reading it through, and you get this wonderful picture of the kings, that, you know, glory days of King David, and then the nation falling, and then, and, and then you read through Jeremiah and Ezekiel and the prophetic promises. Uh, and yet, 400 years of prophetic silence, Malachi to John the Baptist... And they've had this hope, and it's not arrived. And they were living, as it were, in between two phases of the the pressure, the perplexity, the imperfection, the pain, the oppression. And most recently, if you read up to when Jesus arrives on the scene, he's under Roman oppression, whilst looking forward to the promises that they would have known well. The rabbis and others would have taught them and told them the stories. They they knew the Scripture, knew the Torah. They they understood the promises And they're looking forward to the hope of this king and the kingdom that will come and set everything right. That's what the disciples have found arguing. Who's going to sit on the right and the left? And Jesus thought, (laughs) pulling his hair out over these guys, thinking it's not about it's not about like this military victory in that way. But that's what they were thinking. That's why they asked Jesus a question when he when he raised from the dead and teaching them about the kingdom. They said, Lord, are you going to? Is is this the time that you're going to restore the kingdom? They're expecting that God would install. His Messiah, and there would be this overthrow of all enemies, and it would be like this earthly king, military victory, and everything would be restored. And then John the Baptist comes on the scene. And this guy is an interesting guy, isn't he? But he comes proclaiming, repent for the kingdom of heaven. I mean, Matthew uses the, the phrase kingdom of heaven because Matthew's writing to a Jewish audience, and using the name of God would have been considered irreverent. So he, same phrase, really, kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God. Repent because it's near. Can you imagine this locust-eating weirdo? <laughs> have you noticed that people are often God uses to speak to you don't come in the package you hope they would? <laughs> Some of you say, no, no, I'm, I'm, that's not, I listen to everyone who speaks to me. Uh, and yeah, yeah, yeah I, I, I know how my heart works. And you think, I, I would he- hear that through anyone else, but you, this is not helpful. And I, think, I think it was a bit like that for the, the Jewish nation. This, this prophet, this weird prophet, begins to speak. 600 years of no king, 400 years of no voice from God, and then John the Baptist. Then John the Baptist points to Jesus, and Jesus arrives on the scene. And remember, that they're, they're expecting this king to come. And this, this man, just think about this, this, this man Jesus, we know he's the God-man, but they're looking at this, this Jesus in his hometown where everyone knew his past. Born of a virgin, yeah, 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 we, we, we know that story. Can you imagine? Gets up in the synagogue 
with that historical context of what they're hoping for, opens Isaiah 61 and begins to read. Luke 4, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. So, some would say in the synagogue they would have a, a seat that was all, never sat in. It was, it was the empty seat that was reserved for, for the Messiah. I wonder, again, Phil Wilfie makes this very, I wonder if Jesus sat down in the Messiah's seat as he sat down. And you can imagine all sorts of bells are going off in their head. Is this the king? Is this the one who's going to deliver us from our oppressors? Will he set the world to right? Will he bring everything that has become chaotic into order? Or in their terms, would he bring the shalom of God? The shalom of God is where everything clicks together. It's not just peace. It's where everything clicks together in society. Is this the king that will bring the shalom of God? And when Jesus sat down, really what he's saying is, guys, the king is here. Everything is changing. The ruler, the rule has changed. Salvation, release, healing, freedom, deliverance. And then Jesus begins to live this life. He, he lives a life that demonstrates the kingdom. And so Jesus, Mark 1.15, says the kingdom of God is near. John, like John the Baptist again, isn't it? Repent and believe the good news. And his whole ministry goes on to model what it looks like when a spirit-filled believer, if, if I could put it this way to bend your minds, maybe Jesus was the first charismatic. <laughs> and so he's fully man, remember? And, and he's not pulling on his divinity. He's, he's full of the spirit. And so this, this incredible ministry of Jesus Luke describes like this, Acts 10 as a summary, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. And so if you want a summary of Jesus' ministry, that's a really good one. And so Jesus' ministry, we're seeing this freedom fighter sent from heaven to earth to take, to enter enemy-occupied ground and begin to bring the kingdom of God. In other words, take that out of which was in Satan's hands and release people from it. You know, the Son of Man came, didn't he? To destroy the works of the devil. 1 John 3 verse 8. That's what he came to do. And so, so when the sick healed, the, uh, healed, the kingdom has come. When the dead are raised, the kingdom has come. Demons are cast out, the kingdom has come. When the hungry are fed, the kingdom has come. When the poor are cared for, the kingdom has come. When sinners are forgiven, the kingdom has come. When thieves are forgiven uh, and set free like a Zacchaeus and a whole village win the lottery. Because remember, he starts giving them out. Say, yeah, I've done this. Let me repay you whatever many times it is. The kingdom has come. Do you understand that? And so Jesus' whole ministry, it's not time to unpick it all because of time, but the incarnation, his life, the kingdom has come, the cross, the resurrection, the ascension, Pentecost. Yeah, I love it because we'll get there. But, but Acts 1 Luke, Luke writes, look, I wrote in my former book, meaning the Gospel of Luke, the things Jesus began to do and teach. In other words, I'm now, uh, Jesus from ascension pours out the Spirit, and then he says to us, you continue the same work, and we'll get to that. And so the kingdom of God is not a place we, have, we need a passport to enter. It's not the place we go when we die. It's the, dyna- if I can put it this way, the kingdom of God is the dynamic rule and reign of King Jesus being expressed and experienced over everything he has made. The dynamic rule and reign of Jesus. And so John Wimber put it this way. He said, kingdom is translated from the New Testament Greek word basilia, which implies an exercise of kingly rule or reign rather than simply establishing a geographic realm over which a king rules. The kingdom of God is a dynamic reign or rule of God. When Jesus said the kingdom of God had come in him, he claimed for himself the position of a divine invader coming to set everything straight. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. <laughs> That's good. That should throw your hearts. Amen? And so, that was me preaching then. <laughs> Coming myself back down because we're still in the teaching part of the notes. So, so we talk in commission about thousands of lives transformed in hundreds of nations uh, 
sorry, in hundreds of churches planted, tens of nations, thousands, hundreds, tens. Do you know the only reason we can proclaim that is because there's a king on the throne. It's not your effort. It's the dynamic rule of the king. And so some of us have got to stop peddling in a way and say, I'm, I'm going to receive this kingdom. It's by grace. I'm going to receive it and enter into it. We, we have a king who's seated on the throne. And, you know, we could, I could preach this for hours, but you, you think, you look at just one example, Acts chapter 8, and look at Philip. <laughs> this evangelist gets, turns up in a town called Samaria, but all sort of synchronistic and mixed and didn't know where, you know, the up from the down. And, 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 it, and it says in there, great joy come to, the, come to that city. Why? Because an ordinary believer knew what they carried and did what believers did. They had no Instagram or social networking. It's kind of, well, we learned this in Jerusalem, and so we just do the same. And so what happens is, Simon of divine power, as he was called, is saying, where did you get the real power? Well, let me tell you, there's a king. The apostles turn, let's, let's, let's get you baptized in the Spirit. And so the challenge is, when people encounter us, they're to encounter the dynamic rule of King Jesus. One guy puts it like this in Kingdom Ethics, Stasi and Gushi. said this, The kingdom of God is not about what, what God does while humans stand by passively, nor is it about our effort to build the kingdom while God passively watches. The kingdom of God is performative. It is God's performance in which we actively participate. Do you, do you understand that? So there's a, there's a partnership because I want to help us as we, as we press in this kingdom now, not yet, which is the next section, is that we don't sit by passively thinking, oh God, if it's your will, I wonder if it will happen. No, we partner with the king of the universe who we are walking alongside, understanding who we are in Christ, and we bring the kingdom. And so as you take initiative, things happen. Have you noticed that more people get healed when you pray for them? <laughs> I think John Wimber talks about this. Pray for as many people. So if there's a sick person around, you pray for them. If there's a need for peace, pray for it. You know, peace isn't just the absence of anxiety. It's the presence of the peace of God. It's, the, it, 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 it's enveloping. The kingdom now and not yet. Rich Nathan, he's a senior... Vineyard pastor, I, I found this challenging. He, he wrote this. I'm going to read the ho whole thing here. One of the most challenging questions confronting Christian faith is simply this. If Jesus really was who he said he was, if he really was the long-awaited Jewish Messiah, then why is the world still in such bad shape? Why do so many people still die of hunger and cancer? Why are there still so many wars and suicide bombings? Let me make this really simple. If Jesus is Lord and he has all power and we have the Holy Spirit and we have this powerful message called the gospel, then why aren't we more successful than we are? The bottom line is that if Jesus is really true and is really risen, why is the truth not more obvious? Why don't more people believe what Christians believe? Why is the world not in better shape if the Messiah really did come? I'm going to ask you to raise your hands, but that, that's a good question. That's a good quote, isn't it? And I think the best way to understand it is, is that the kingdom is both now and not yet. In many ways, I think probably Dave Devonish unpacked this in his seminar, uh, but it, it, it's very well illustrated through the wheat and the tear that there's this sowing of gospel seed that grows, and yet there is a sowing that the enemy does as well, and, uh, and, and the tears grow up as well. could ask the question, are things going to get worse or, or better? Both at the same time. That as we press for more, actually there is enemy coming against us as well. But know that we've been sown into our environment to bring the kingdom of God now. And so when Jesus came to earth, died, rose from the dead, ascended into heaven, and poured out the Holy Spirit, everything changed. But the devil is still, devil's will is still working out in some ways. Not everyone's will at the moment is submitted to Christ. And so there's limitations in the age that we bring, that we live in. I guess some, I probably think some of my life messages to focus more on what God will do and can do rather than these limitations. But, but we have to hold tensions, and we'll illustrate that a bit more in a, in a moment. You know, Jesus healed the sick, but at some point they got ill again. Jesus calmed storms, but at some point storms came again. There's two graves for Lazarus now. That's not many people can say that. Because the kingdom come, Lazarus arise, but he did die again. And so there is this... This mysterious tension, I'm going to unpack that for us, that, that when Jesus came, he inaugurated, he, he started something, 
that will come to fulfillment in Revelation, and you read about that, and we joked about that earlier, but Revelation 21, you know, where there'll be no more pain, no more sickness, no more tears, no more grief. Who's looking forward to that day? Who's looking forward to it? I just think, Lord, I mean, there's some of the things, even as a pastor hearing, there's some of the things people are walking through is, is painful to watch. And we pray and we press for more, but, but there's mystery and there's grief and there's pain, but one day there'll be no more grief and no more pain. And right now we're living in that in-between time. George Eldon Ladd, who's written a lot on the kingdom, he said this, with the first coming of Jesus, we have its introduction, meaning the kingdom. With the second coming of Jesus, we will have its consummation. We live in between times in the presence of the future. The kingdom is upon us, but it's not complete yet. The kingdom is in us, but it's not complete yet. The kingdom is moving among us, but it's not complete yet. And so the kingdom has come, the Bible teaches. It's imminent. The kingdom is at hand, Jesus said, uh, and, and John said. But it's also coming. It's arrived. Demons cast out by the finger of God. Kingdom has come, and it will come. The kingdom of God is coming, and we, we live in this overlap, and there's this uh, this picture I stole completely from Dave Devonish's notes, uh, uh, and uh, Rachel made it live again in my notes. So uh, there you go. Uh, but but that's what it is. This this present evil age, the powers of the age to come are breaking in, and it will come in fullness. And so, how do we live in that tension? I want to get really practical. How, how do we live in the tension of the full breaking in of heaven on earth, or a fuller breaking in of heaven on earth, but we're not there yet? And I'm going to illustrate this. I'm going to use my Bible, actually. Can I, have a, can I have two volunteers? I promise I won't embarrass you. I promise. Two volunteers. These two guys, you look strong. We can give them a round of applause. All right, I want you to hold one end of my Bible, okay? Yep. You can come and stand in the middle. And, and, and I think, think what happens is, sorry, what are your names? Patrick. Patrick and Joe. We met last night, didn't we? Hi, guys. Nice to see you. <laughs> Just going to have a conversation up. No, we're not. Um, what, what happens is this, that, that people will say, you've got to be mature and discerning. If you grab the other end of the Bible. And what we need is balance. And so we, we're going to balance between kingdom now and not yet. And almost like a tightrope. And, and we're going to do that. And the trouble I've got with that, with that way of looking at things is that balance doesn't really work. And and I don't think you get the breakthrough and the, uh, the, the, the real kingdom breakthrough when you, when you just say, well, let's just be balanced Christians. I think it can be quite boring. Sorry, guys, I hope you're in the right seminar. But hear me on this. I think what, what we're called to do is hold biblical truths in tension. So if you could provide a bit of tension. So here's one for us. Jesus said, pray. Oh, you can be God for the moment. <laughs> but God's sovereign. I don't know if you ever thought about this, but if I pray, has God already made up his mind? Is he going to do what he wants anyway? Can I change God's mind? Is it going to affect things? Uh, and, and, you get, and, and you get into this, so you have to hold the tension up. I pray, God's sovereign. I pray, God's sovereign. And I keep doing, oh, what about this one? What about, you're God, and I'm going to let you be God this time. And you, you're going to be someone who's seeking after God. Did you choose God or did, did you choose God? Or did, 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 God, did God just pick me from the beginning of the world and I kind of had no choice? Or, or was there some point that I responded to God and, and, and I had faith? And you're holding these tensions between, if God chose me and I had no choice about whether I could choose him, did I, did I stop having free will? And so you're beginning to hold these tensions, you think. And so we, we kind of, and those debates go on. And, and I think the kingdom is a bit bit like that I think I think or, or what about this one this is this is really live in our churches are we supposed to be a word church or a spirit church which one should we be uh, and so if it's all word we kind of kind of gets a bit dry doesn't it and for all spirit we blow up and and you know the same for word and spirit we grow up you know that's kind of how it how it works isn't it and we say, but but which is it am I is it a 50 minute preach and or is it all worship and ministry and and so we we, we tussle with these things. Thank you uh, for volunteering and being God for us. Um, so so I, think, I think the kingdom uh, is a bit like that in terms of how we hold those tensions. Uh, and so the kingdom is both, both now and not yet. And we've got to walk that road very carefully. And so, so I mean, wh what about, you know, we, we face it all the time, folks, don't we? 
when we preach the gospel. Some get saved and some don't. And yet the, the scriptures are clear. It's the Father's heart that none should perish. Well, why when I preach the gospel, doesn't everyone respond? We pray for the sick. Some get healed and some don't. We care for the poor, but the poor will always be with us. And so we're living in this age, whether it's we, I think actually there's a bro- I have a broader view of the supernatural actually, but if we put it in this category, you know, supernatural healing or caring for the poor, the truth is that, that we will see breakthrough, but we won't see the whole breakthrough. Is that making sense? And so we've got to live in those tensions. And so if the kingdom is all now, and, I, and I've lived through this as a pastor even, had to teach into this, you say, if it's all now, we've got to be all now, everyone should get healed, we've become triumphalistic becomes a bit weird, actually. And so we get people who say, well, looking for the, how do I fit the right shape into this and make this work so that the kingdom comes all of it now? And yet the Apostle Paul, he, two of his guys, he left sick, didn't he? Paphroditus, he left sick. Trophimus, he left sick. So even the Apostle Paul didn't see a 100% breakthrough with healing. And yet, I was challenged by this. You get to, uh, you, you get to Cyprus, I think it is, or where, wherever that, um, no, sorry, Malta, and they bring all their sick, and they're all healed. I'm like, how does that work? They weren't, you've left guys that you, you're ministering with, and you've left them sick, and yet you go to Malta on a ministry trip, and everyone gets healed on the island. How does that work? Wiggles, Wigglesworth, he said this, he who can explain divine healing can explain God. So that's, that's my answer. <laughs> Catherine Coleman's is an interesting quote in there. This is where I've got to with healing. I believe it's God's normative will to heal. That when I pray for someone, I'm not thinking, is it God's will? Is he, is he, is he in a good mood today? Is he happy? I, I'm not thinking that. I'm thinking, you've called me to destroy the works of the devil. This, this cancer is a work of the devil. I want to see it healed. And that's how I pray. And then I'll process, if we don't see the breakthrough, how we handle that. Or some people will say, well, it's, they'll emphasize, it's not kingdom now. It's all not yet. And so everything's in tomorrow. And I, and I think, folks, can I, can I really say this? I think in our sort of theology of kingdom now, not yet, this is a massive danger. I think that we can easily fall back on, well, it's the sovereignty of God, and is it God's will, and, and maybe it's all not yet, and it'll happen one day, when God's really saying, look, why don't you push through? Why don't you believe for more? And so you get Christians who have no real expectation. Yeah, even, even Christians, I wonder why God sent this. I wonder why he's training you. I, I don't subscribe to that. I think you can learn things through things, but you can also learn, learn and then God breaks in. And so Simon Holly puts it this way, I don't know how much of the kingdom we're supposed to see, but it must be more than we're seeing now. And so we've got to persevere through the times of no breakthrough, grieve over our unbelief, cry out in our powerlessness, and ask God to break in in his compassion. I just, I want to... The other thing I, I think people worry about is what if, what if we build a church who, who becomes fanatical? Hey, whoa. Yeah, <laughs> so I'm fanatic. You're not in the front row and you're still a fanatic, which is unheard of. So, you know, we're going to have a bunch of fanatics who are going, yeah, it's all kingdom, it's all kingdom. You know what I've found? It's easier to calm down a fanatic than wake up a corpse. <laughs> I, I, that's just what I've found. I like, sometimes I think, are you actually alive? You know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's kind of, sorry, sorry, kind of, that reached the first half of the order. The, the second half are looking quite, quite angry, actually. <laughs> like, want to hurt me. <laughs> that way you can raise me from the dead after. Uh, so so it's, a, it's that kind of, that kind of thing you think, look, we, we are nowhere near on the edge of Jesus being nervous that when he retar- returns, he will find too much faith. <laughs> we're not edging on it. He's not going to come back to, oh, really, guys, keep it down. <laughs> so he's, just, he's just not going to say that. He, he's, he's very happy uh, when we step out in faith. And, and I, I, it, Jesus jumped for joy when the disciples returned because he said, I saw Satan falling. You know, that's the joy of the Lord. He's jumping. Simon Holly puts it this way. Most Christians don't struggle with expecting too much from God, but expecting too little. There's a brilliant quote here, which I'm not going to read. Um, actually, I'm going to read it because it's so good. The tension and mystery of the kingdom is critical. This is the Ventnor quote. It's critical to a proper theology and practice or practice 
of healing. We cannot dictate or control healing, yet we cannot accept or surrender to sickness. We pray with confident authority and expectation of healing for everyone, yet we are humble and honest, trusting God with the results as only God can heal. We do both at the same time. We instinctively try to resolve the tension to either or and or is messy. Too much kingdom now leads to arrogance, presumption, demanding healing as if on tap. Too much kingdom then leads to pessimism and fatalism, leaving healing to if it's God's will. Balance leads to a neutralizing of the radical edges, loss of risk-taking, a passive middle road, and theologically correct approach to healing. We too easily explain lack of healing by kingdom tension when we ought to pursue in faith, embracing both the already and the not yet of kingdom makes us uh, living in, in paradoxes. It's learning to live and minister in the overlapping of two ages, the power of the kingdom and the resistance of this age. It leads to persevering faith, optimistic realism, dependence on God, discerning the moment, honoring people's dignity, respecting the unknown, and leaving the, the results with God. It's good, isn't it? Mike Pilavacci and Andy Croft say this, We live in the tension of the kingdom now and not yet. We live with the arrival of Jesus. The kingdom of God has broken into this world, but as yet it has not arrived in all its fullness. This won't happen until Jesus returns. Whilst we see many amazing healings, we also still lose people that we love. The challenge for us is to remind ourselves of God's character and to trust his heart even if we can't see his hand. It also recognizes that if something isn't good enough for the future kingdom, we, as Jesus' people, shouldn't settle for it now. So if we see tears, we wipe them away. Where we find mourning, we bring comfort. And if we meet sickness, regardless of past experiences, we set ourselves to pray with authority for healing. Brilliant. <laughs> Brilliantly articulated. So how do we live in what Simon Holly's expressed as living in the radical middle? Let's get really real here. We confront our disappointments and offense, even offense with God. I feel like the Lord would want to minister to us, and we'll have time at the end to minister and to pray for you, but if we live in the radical middle, we are, we are going to handle, have to handle disappointments. Bad things do happen to good people, and the Bible is very upfront about that. Bad things happen to good people. So in the same chapter of the Bible, you get Peter's released with, with my son, I say, with, by a lock-picking angel. <laughs> it's kind of, he picked, I don't know if they're specialistly trained, like CIA or something. I, I, I don't know, Jason Bourne of heaven. I don't, I don't know. Uh, and so, uh, but, but he picks the lock and he gets out whilst James is martyred. I mean, talk about tension. How can that make sense? His senior leader is, uh, is executed. Or in the same verses of Hebrews, you get mighty victories and floggings and jeers and death. Or John the Baptist, talk about in your face, John the Baptist is in prison while his cousin, who has spoken, his manifesto was to set the captives free and John's in prison. I mean, you handle the offense that must have caused for him. Disappointment and offense with God when bad things happen are huge roadblocks to the kingdom coming. I've seen it again and again. I, I almost can taste it where, where you speak into a room a faith moment and people you can almost taste the unbelief sometimes and so one person in fact it's my brother who said this he said the goodness of God is never easy to proclaim when disappointment hits some things are a mystery if you have no mystery in your life it means that you have reduced God to your level of understanding does anyone want to do that reduce God to your level of understanding that would be incredible wouldn't it but we do it God is good, and that never changes. We cannot afford to lower the standard of his goodness to make sense of our loss or disappointment. The, let me say it's the agony of defeat. I, I want to be really real. So uh, a while ago, about a year ago, I, I woke up to the phone call that no one wants to wake up to in a church. It was Saturday morning, uh, and uh, a lady in the church rang me uh, and said that her husband had died tragically in the night. 58-year-old Rick. I've spoken to Sharon but to, to get her permission to share this. Uh, I still miss Rick, I really do. Uh, and in getting the message, he hadn't been ill, he hadn't been sick, he, he just died of this massive malfunction, really, with his heart. Sunday, so that's Saturday, Sunday I get up and I preach, and I'm preaching on the mystery and 
uh, and God's ways not being our ways and not always having an answer and, uh, and how we handle disappointment and, and hanging on to the truth that, that, you know, this is tragic, but God is good and that is the nature of his character. He is good. So that's Saturday, the news. Sunday, you're pastoring through that. Monday is day off. I often say if the rapture happens on a Monday, I wonder how many pastors will get left behind. But no, I'm joking. I, 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 actually, I actually don't believe in the rapture either in that way, so I just thought it was funny. Um, so, so, so Monday, me and Joe were out down Christchurch d- eating a bag of chips, that's the truth. And this, I've been trying to help us as a church believe for more, and I, I'm believing for a day we'll see the dead raised. That, that, that's really what I'm believing. And... If you say those things, you, you begin to build a culture in a church and faith, and people take you at your word and begin to apply the, the teaching that you teach. It's amazing. So message comes through from one of our church members who says, shall we go and pray for Rick? So he, he's, as we found out later, he's at the coroner's. His body's at the coroner's. It ruined my day. Because <laughs> I'm like, now, now what do I do? I can't say no, I don't want to say yes, but that means I've got to ring Sharon and say, could we mind you, would you mind us going around praying for Rick? Maybe God will raise him from the dead. That all sounds quite, what if he doesn't? How does it work? What do I do with that? And how do you even get to Rick's body anyway? And so that goes on until Tuesday. And then I'm talking that through with one of my fellow elders. And, and in the end, uh, I went to my office and I rang the coroners. And I said, look, could we, could we visit Rick's body? And, and really for me, what it was was this, that we, we, didn't, we didn't, actually, they didn't answer me. I had to ring three times, I think. <laughs> I must have thought that was so weird. And, and we, we rang and rang and rang, and in the end they said no. But for me it was, would I have even a mustard seed of faith to go and pray for, pray for him? And... I thought, yeah, I've got, I've got a mustard seed. And it was, a, it was an agony of defeat in a way because although that's out there and that's extreme, I don't think we have to make it the extreme case. But, but it was an agony of defeat. And I could tell you others in our church where, where, we, where I've taken funerals or we've lost people that, that I love dearly. But I can also tell you the thrill of victory. I can tell you about blind eyes that have been opened, literally. I can tell you about one guy, not time because we're going to run out, but teeth that were healed when he went to the dentist. <laughs> this is a good story. <laughs> Goes to the dentist, two holes in his teeth, uh, and one's cracked, gets it checked. The dentist says, I can't really do anything for you for a month, so uh, we'll kind of go away and we'll, we'll kind of treat you in a month. Comes back in a month, having had prayer. Dentist puts him in the chair, asks him his name, and then says, can I just double-check your name and your address? checks his teeth again, both teeth are filled and the cracked tooth is completely restored. He says, I, I can't, there's nothing to do to your teeth. <laughs> so it's like, I'm thinking of the money right there. I'm thinking, yeah, so, yeah. That's a sa- he was happy with the saving. Um, we had one, one lady, she, she came, I, mean, I said this last night, she came forward to get disappointment dealt with and, and actually, although her hearing was he- healed, her, she had tunnel vision, so she couldn't really see properly and it totally got restored in the moment. It's only the next day she realised she could hear as well. So it's kind of, I call those bonus rounds. You know, it's like, there you go. God's lavish, isn't he? I've got on my phone, I've got a chart of a young lad in our church who, who had bo- two hearing aids, uh, so hearing aid on both ears, and having gone back to the, uh, to the consultants and whatever and had his hearing checked, the charts that showed a complete radical shift. And so I think it helps us with our cynicism, doesn't it, to say that that was, that was checked. We've had shoulders healed. We've had jaws healed. I had this guy who, who again went forward for his el- um, tennis elbow to be healed, uh, and, um, uh, and his numbness in his leg was healed. I mean, for me, that was a creative miracle. I think something grew. I think something happened there. Uh, that, that sciatic pain we've seen healed. Nerves restored. Legs grow. Prostate cancer, uh, both through prayer and medical treatment, healed. Uh, actually, I, I love the medical profession. That's my background is, a, is uh, part of that. Um, shooting nerve pain here. We talked about that. Pain going at the name of Jesus. Sleep restored. Multiple healings. I remember in India, one, one meeting, we just at the end of the meeting, healings happening everywhere. It's wonderful breakthroughs. Food allergies healed. We've had angelic appearances in our house and other people's houses. And, and, and just uh, other times, I could tell you other stories that really weird you out, but supernatural things. Just gold dust appearing on people and and I'm encouraged because that happens mostly to my chair of trustees, who's head of finances. 
I'm like, I was telling Joe at the beginning, it's like, if the pavement's made of gold, we should be fine. You know, that's, kinda, that's how it is in heaven, isn't it? So we don't worry about a building project. You know, the pavement's made of gold. And so this, this um, wonderful story of a lady in our church who, who just prayed for her two non-Christian friends and they got healed. That's out there in the community, freedom from demonic oppression happening. You see, when de- de- if you don't understand how you process the agony of defeat and the glory of the breakthrough, the thrill of victory, if you don't process the two, you get stuck in your offense and disappointment. You get stuck in prison, a bit like John the Baptist. And so, he said, I stepped out before, but you weren't there, God. I'm going to play it safe. I- I- I'm going to keep my expectations down, because then you'll never disappoint me. And you can in Christianity. You can. I mean, Tim Blaber's story was a brilliant example of saying, I'm not going to play it safe. And look at the breakthrough. And so when we lower the bar to avoid disappointment, we live in mediocrity and we don't hit the breakthroughs. And too many of us have hit defeat and backed off. And you know if that's you in this room. You've prayed for the sick and you haven't seen it. Or you've, you've prayed for this provision you haven't seen it. You've prayed for that situation you didn't see it. And God's calling us to say, process it honestly. Be real. It's okay to feel deeply. It's okay. I think, I, I wouldn't recommend pointing a finger at God and shouting at him. It doesn't ever seem to go well with me when I do that. Uh, but, but I do think the psalmists are more real than most of our, 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 our churches. And so you get in Psalm 13, you get things like, How long, O Lord? <laughs> yeah, you can, can you hear, some of us can hear, How long? How long till our house sells? <laughs> How long till till my child gets a breakthrough? How long till they're restored? How how long till the sickness goes? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? That's more real than most of us are allowed to be, isn't it? If someone comes to you and speaks like that, I, I would say, yeah, let's process that helpfully. We talked about John the Baptist. Jesus says to John the Baptist, he says, tells his disciples, blessed is the one who is not offended in me. That's challenging, isn't it? Blessed is the one who's not offended in me. Maybe some of us here in your notes need to lay down the right to understand. Philippians 4, 6 says, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding. Some of you say, well, if I could understand why, I would be fine with it. We don't only have that option many of the times. Why didn't God heal? You know, I'm getting more and more comfortable with the answer. I don't know. I'm not going to answer questions that God's not answering. I've decided. But I'm going to keep pressing for more. Isaiah 55, you know this well. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours. And my thoughts than your thoughts. Bill Johnson says it like this. He says, to have questions is healthy. To hold God hostage to those questions is not. And so some of us have got to put those down, those questions, and say, I'm not going to hold you hostage. Have a mystery cloud. Loads in here I, can't, I haven't got time to, to go through, but declare truth. You know, the, sa- the same, same psalm talks about, goes on to say, as the Psalms often do, you go kind of down into the valley and then back up, and, it, and he says this, but I trust in your unfailing love. <laughs> My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord, for he has been good to me. And, and so you begin to say, I'm going to thank you, God, for the things you are doing, not for the things I assume you're not doing. You begin to say to God, but I, but I trust you. When, when has God ever let you down? Really? Never. And I've been through the ups and the downs, and I know everyone thinks pastors' lives are all plain sailing. I tell you, it's ups and the downs. Family life's got its ups and its downs, its challenges, its moments of breakthrough, and its moments of agony. And yet, I'm going to choose to trust in His goodness. You have been good to me, Lord, through it all. And so you've got to speak that out. Nothing happens without speaking it out. Let there be light, God said, and there was. Declarations of truth. The power of life and death is in the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. And so we declare those truths. Simon Holly puts it like this. We've found that sticking to a simple theology is the best way to keep the heart free from this unpleasant rock of disappointment. God is good. You say that to the person next to you. God is good. Amen. Devil is bad. (laughs) 
God can use bad for good, but he doesn't want bad. There are nuances, there are complications, but fundamentally it was the devil who came to steal and kill and destroy, while Jesus, on the other hand, came doing good and healing. All those who were oppressed by the devil, we will do well not to forget it. Pass to your own heart. <laughs> Speak that truth. Know your identity. It's another massive thing of how we live in this radical middle. You know, it's not, I'm not going to unpack that. There's other stuff. We've Father Heart Conference. Come along to that. We can unpack that. Find out who you were. But I would say this. For many of us, you think, I'm not good enough. I can't pray for the sick. I can't do this. I'm, I'm not them. I'm not the speaker. You know, you don't have to be perfect. Listen to this list. Abraham was too old. Jacob was a liar. Joseph was rejected. Moses had a stutter. Jonah legged it. Elijah was suicidal. The disciples fell asleep. Lazarus was dead. <laughs> so, so, anyone alive? <laughs> that you're ahead of Lazarus. So, thirdly, know your authority. Know who you are. I think Acts 1, when they said, ask them about the kingdom, I think Acts 1, 6, I think they're asking the wrong question because Jesus had conferred his authority on them. He, he'd said, I, conf- I confer on you royal authority. My father has conferred it on me. So I confer on you the royal authority my father conferred on me. In other words, I'm giving you, as it says later on in Matthew 16, I'm giving you keys to the kingdom. In other words, whatever you bind, whatever you loose. You hear that? That, that? that emphasis on what you do, what you step into. And so when you take the initiative, God is with you. He'll back you up. He will not leave you high and dry. In fact, William Booth, I love this. He puts it this way. I'm not waiting for a move of God. I am a move of God. <laughs> I feel legal saying that here. You know, you, I think if William Booth said it, it must be right. Uh, and so, yeah, I'm not waiting for a move of God. I am a move of God. <laughs> and so even if you don't say it with a movie overdub, uh, you could begin to think that. I'm a son of the king with conferred authority. I am a move of God. Uh, and I don't mean that arrogantly. I, I think we're called to present, be my witnesses, or represent, represent, represent the Son of God to the world so they meet the real one. Yes. Not the made up one that, is, that people think is full of religion and full of uh, rules. No, he's the, he's the king that is good. And let me present him to you. We do well to not overcomplicate what Jesus has made very straightforward. Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. (laughs) That's good. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. Freely receive, freely give. John 14. I, I love this verse. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. I don't know whether that means there's more of us, so it's more going to happen in a spirit-filled church, or whether it means we're going to see greater things than Jesus did. I'll take both. So fourthly, be filled with the Spirit. Please, please can I say, I, I got saved into a New Frontiers church out of a completely unchurched background, and, my, and, and God swept through my family and I came to church. First time I came to church, I wasn't a Christian. And someone said, come Holy Spirit. And I looked around the room for him. I thought, I wonder where he is. That was, that was uh, and then gradually, gr- in, and then, then lived through the, the Toronto outpouring as a frontier impactor in those days. 18, 19-year-old, just saw God break in on life after life. And then, and then have seen God heal and do what he does and set people free. And, and now I'm beginning to see uh, another generation coming. Uh, and I think, Please, Lord, do not let what we are building become about the project. The well, project shows my age. The projection screen and the music and the guitar. That was never what charismatic was about. It was about a renewal, a refreshing, a, a breaking in of God on a people that said, "Now the kingdom is going to flow." And the question is this: What would happen if the kingdom of God came to your town, not simply to your church meeting? You know, I'm praying to God. You've come to a lot of my meetings. Could I come to some of your meetings, Lord? Uh, because His seems to be much more exciting than mine. And we begin to say, Holy Spirit, charismatic Christians, looks like it was for Jesus who walked the earth as the first charismatic, filled with the Spirit. He was able to heal because the Lord was with him, the Scripture says. And so you get filled with the Spirit and minister in the power of the Spirit. And I tell you, 
all heaven breaks out. It does in incredible ways, in ways that you, you can hardly, hardly believe would happen. Lloyd-Jones, he, he said it. I mean, we know he's famous for his preaching, his steady, regular kind of ministry, and extraordinary preaching in a way, but, but the ministry of the church. He, but you listen to him, and there's something that he wasn't content with, even when he was on the platform, being a preacher. And he, he said it like this, we can produce a number of converts. Thank God for that. And that goes on regularly in evangelical churches every Sunday. But the need today is much too great for that. The need today is for an authentication of God, of the supernatural, of the spiritual, of the eternal. And this can only be answered by God graciously hearing our cry and shedding forth again his spirit upon us and filling us as he kept filling the early church. What is needed is some mighty demonstration of the power of God, some enactment of the Almighty that will compel people to pay attention and look and to listen. That's why I'm urging you to pray for this. When God acts, he can do more in a minute than man with his organizing can do in 50 years. It's Lloyd-Jones. It'd be amazing if we begin to understand who we are understand that we can be spirit-filled sons and daughters of the king, walking with authority, understand we, we are a move of God. Let me put it this way. When you walk into a room full of the spirit, the equation changes. Let me put it really practical. If you're going into Tesco and you need to buy milk, I suggest you start at the opposite end of the, of the place and deliberately walk across the shop because who knows what will happen. I heard one story of a uh, of a leader, he was just looking at cameras in a shop, looking at what camera, and this lady walked near him and <laughs> fell over uh, under the power of the Spirit, and he just turned around and said, I'm sorry, I leak. <laughs> I, I think that is Ephesians 5, 18, is it, go on being filled with the Spirit, and, and I think so often we get ever so serious, about, oh, i got it, oh, screw up my face, I think, no, let's be real, let's, let, let's learn to lament over the pain I've shared about Rick, I tell you, I would say that still is an ache in my heart. And yet Sharon on the phone and asking her permission would say, it's amazing that through this he's bringing good things, even that a story like that can be shared. There is, God will turn it around and bring good, but, but we grieve and we, there's pain and there's loss and there's disappointment, but we deal with it so we don't become offended with God. So we say, I'm going to keep believing. You are good. You are trustworthy. You are faithful. I understand that I live in this era of the, the it's, it's not all yet, but I expect that there'll be more. And, I, and to be honest, I'm not seeing enough yet. So I keep pressing for more so that there can be some demonstration of God in this world that people say, God is real. That can be Acts 8 moments where people say, that, I thought I had power in this, but that's the real God. And it's kingdom now more and more and more as we step with faith. And what you'll find is your measure of faith will grow as you step out as God anoints and gives gifts of faith. There's loads in the notes we can say about faith and fear and breaking all that stuff down, but we're out of time. But God will grow your measure of faith as you step and say, do you know what? We, I've seen that healed multiple times. I've, so we, let's do it again. So can we, can we stand? I've got a number from God first. We, we're going we're to just minister just for a moment. I mean, there's other stuff in your notes. Confront your unbelief. Deal with your fear. I did feel the Lord wanted to particularly release from disappointment for some even offense. Almost see it. It can feel almost like a cancer. It grows and, it, and it's counter what God wants for you. So let's just reach out to him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we invite you in this place. And we say, Lord, we, we are not going to fall into the trap of trying to perform and work harder. But we receive by your grace now. We receive your Holy Spirit. For some here, I just feel like you say, I just don't know if I can. I don't know if I'm in a good place. If you love Jesus... The Father is spinning with delight over you. He says, with you, my son, with you, my daughter, I am very pleased. I'm chuffed with you. Come on, let's go forward. Receive the Holy Spirit right now. Just give him your disappointment, that, that particular thing that's, that's sticking with you. You say, I, God, I just felt you weren't there. How long will I have to wait? How, 
Will, will you be there? Can, can I trust you? Just give it to him. Tell him, I, I know you're good, but it's just, maybe, maybe it's just, for, I just don't know if it's always felt like you've been there. But I know that you are, but I don't know if it's felt like it. And just receive now his goodness as you begin to say, but God, I trust you. I want to believe again. Help, I do believe. Help me, help me to believe like that dad prayed over his son in the scriptures. I do believe. Help me to believe. Holy Spirit, we honor you. Well, this fear. Do you know that the opposite of fear is not faith, actually. It's, it's the love of God that casts out all fear. Receive the love of God right now. Right now. I believe there's someone with sciatic pain that God is wanting to heal right now. If it's you, just, just respond. Just say, yes, Lord, I receive it. I think it's probably in your right leg, sciatic pain. Someone else with an ankle pain. Someone else with hearing difficulties again. God's wanting to heal. Thank you. Team, feel free to, to minister if you've got any words of knowledge or anything you want to share. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Keep receiving. He's on us. I just um, I saw um, a, uh, some swords on the ground, and I feel that there are many amongst us who you used to you used to run, and you knew that you ran with a sword for the Lord, but you've got weary, or you you've received a setback, and I ju- I see it at your feet, and God says I want you to st- literally to to stoop down now, and as an act of faith to pick the sword up again and say Lord I'm going to trust you again, yeah. I'm not going to allow the enemy to rob me of what is my destiny my destiny is to walk as a strong valiant soldier of the Lord so if you know you've laid your sword down pick it up again because God wants you to run again thank you Lord, thank you Jesus thank you just keep responding, he's here, he's with us um, I've got a couple of words for healing. I just feel that um, I've got a pain in my left hip, but like in the kind of ball joint of my hip. And I don't know if somebody's waiting for an operation mm-hmm. or had an operation. Can you raise your hand if there's somebody here with a left hip injury or pain in their left hip? I also felt that there was somebody that's struggling with I- their left eyesight, that they've got cloudy vision or difficult vision in their left eye. Is that anyone here that's just finding... Um, their sight is not quite right. I also had um, a, r- a running injury. Somebody's hurt a muscle or torn a ligament or something in their foot. I think it's a left foot. If that's anybody, then I'd like to pray for you. Yes. Um, I also just had the word all through, as Duncan was talking, this word disruptive. And actually quite often when we think about something being disruptive, we think of children and it being naughty. I just think Jesus would say the Holy Spirit will disrupt things in your life. And I just really feel actually there's some people that, A, you need some permission to be yourself. And I just feel like Jesus would love to just come and tenderly meet with you and give you just permission to go for him in a way that um, you haven't been able to do or you feel like um, like maybe things that Duncan's talked about, um, disappointment or unbelief or just being stuck in, in one way or the other, being stuck in the middle of these tensions. And I just feel like the Holy Spirit wants to come and just disrupt some stuff in your life. Mm. Um, so, yeah, if that's anybody, we'll pray for you. Can you just raise your hand if that's anyone for any of those things? Just Can we, guys, God first, just get around these guys and we'll pray for you. Just the rest of us, just keep receiving. As before we, I know we're nearly out of time. Just focus. I, I want to pray over us for a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. Who needs refreshing here? <laughs> I think that's all of us. <laughs> my, both, both my arms are up and my, and my right leg. Uh, Go on being filled. And so I'm going to pray. You know, the scripture that Ephesians 5 is a corporate thing, actually. It's us being filled together as a dwelling place, says earlier on in that book, Ephesians 2.22, as a dwelling place of the very presence of God. We're being built together as a place where heaven touches earth and spills out into the community. And so this is not a, a religious moment. This is an encounter moment. So Lord, we love the fact that we live in the age of the outpouring of the Spirit. We love, Lord, that you 
that you, it was spoken through the scripture that the spirit will be poured out on all flesh. We, we love that you've given us hearts of flesh. And we, we say, I say, Holy Spirit, we're hungry for you. We're thirsty for you. Uh, Lord God, we, we, we've tasted it to some degree, but we ask for more. Lord, we hear the stories, both current ones and, and in the history of breakthrough, of blind eyes opening, of lives being transformed. We hear stories from that platform like Tim shared. And we say, Lord, you've called all of us to be, as Paul said, competent ministers of the Spirit, competent ministers of this new covenant of the Spirit. And so I pray, oh God, that you'd fill us, that you'd enable us, that you would, I pray, Deal with fear in this place. I pray it would go in the name of Jesus. Fear of getting it wrong. Fear of man. Fear of even punishment. Fear of losing the approval of people. I say fear would be replaced with the love of God. Fear would be replaced with this Holy Spirit inspired, outpoured love. And I pray, oh God, that faith would come now. Gifts of faith would come now by the Spirit. We ask you, Lord, that we'd feel like in a right way that we can bring your kingdom, that we can see the works of the devil undone. And so we ask that, Lord God, in our schools, in our classrooms, in our colleges, in our unis, in our workplaces, over the neighbor's fence, into the nations. Lord, we ask for it at the school gate. We say, Lord, let your kingdom come in Jesus' name. We say, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. We say we do not want to leave here the same as we came in. We say, fill us, fill me. Fill us, Lord, that we will minister in greater power. Lord, we fear, we grieve over our, our, our weakness in many ways. And yet we say, Lord, we also believe you've called us as ambassadors, right, vice regents, as, uh, as citizens of heaven to represent you on earth. And we say we cannot do it without the power of the Holy Spirit. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the world. And so we say, we receive freely, Lord, the gift of the Spirit. Just receive right now. Receive right now. It doesn't matter whether it's loud. It doesn't matter whether for some it's loud. If it's you, it's quiet. It doesn't matter. It's what God is doing in you. Come, Holy Spirit. We say, Lord, more of your Spirit. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. There, there, there should be a Maisie uh, in, this, in this tent. Uh, either Maisie or one of your relatives is called Maisie. Anybody ring bells? Okay, thank you. Uh, praise, praise God for that. Pray for you in just a moment. Uh, and I believe there's a young man in the, in the tent this morning who's been reading Psalm 42 just fairly recently and has actually been crying out to God, Why are you so downcast, my soul? Uh, if that's you, then please do come uh, and, and receive prayer. And also, I still believe that there's a colon person here that needs healing. Um, I just got the name Jean, and I just felt that God was saying, if you are called Jean, that God is saying, today I have something for you, and I want you to uh, put your hand up, come forward, and just receive what God has got for you today. Um, when we're praying, oh sorry, Rosie. When we're praying for healing, mm. it's really important to kind of ask people how they're doing as we're praying for them. So I just wanted to help with something very quickly. If you're praying for someone, can you ask them how they are and if the pain level has decreased or if they'd like to be prayed again? And actually, Jesus repeated himself over and over again to the, si the disciples. We see it in the Gospels. It's okay for us to repeat. Um, so I would just want to encourage you, if you're praying for someone, ask them if the pain level has gone down. If it has, can I just ask that in the room now, actually? Is there anyone that's been receiving prayer for healing and the, the pain level has decreased from what it was when you entered the yeah. room? Fantastic, right? There's a couple of people. So can people get round these guys again? And can you pray again, please? It, it's, it's really good. It stirs our faith for it. Um, I feel there are some people here who feel that they haven't had their own personal breakthrough, so they haven't seen God heal themselves, or they haven't seen um, God heal them of, um, of depression, or that kind of thing, and I feel that you feel disqualified, therefore, for praying for people, 
Um, and I think there are people like that who feel like, because I haven't seen breakthrough, I'm not qualified to pray for Come people. And I feel God would say, no, you can still pray for people. Actually, he's calling us to, um, to pray for people like that. Um, and actually, it's really interesting, sometimes even in areas where we're not seeing breakthrough ourselves, when we pray for people, they get healed. And that's incredible and a complete mystery. And I don't know why that happens, but actually, God heals people of things that you yourself might be struggling with. So um, can, I, can I pray for people? Are there people like that who feel like that? Yeah. Yeah. Father. Father, I pray, Lord God, that you would be um, with these people who feel like that. Father, I pray, God, that you would cause them to see breakthrough when they pray with other people. Father, I thank you, Lord God, that in the mystery of it all, Lord God, we see you heal people of even things that we're struggling with ourselves. God, we pray for breakthrough in our own lives, but God, we pray for courage to pray for others as well. In Jesus' name. Um, Duncan mentioned um, when Jesus um, stood up and spoke in the synagogue, um, one of the um, things in that passage about the Spirit bringing breakthrough is release from darkness um, for the prisoners. And I just feel that there may be people here who feel like they are um, they're in darkness, not just because of circumstances perhaps, but that's become a normal for you. And it feels like either because, oh, that's just my personality, or I just feel darker at the time, or it's because actually you're quite prophetic and you sense darkness around you in situations and it becomes oppressive. Um, I just believe God wants to release you from that darkness. Being sensitive to darkness around you is a good thing that he will use. It doesn't mean it has to overwhelm you. Um, it's there so that you are someone who can bring light into that situation. Um, so I just want to pray for you for now. I'll just pray um, out there. Yeah, if that's you, then just respond in your heart. Father, I thank you, God, that you came to bring release from darkness for the prisoners. And I ask right now, God, that you just unlock those, um, um, those um, kind of switch the lights on, Father, for those people who feel right now that that's who they are, that they, they are dark. Actually, I think that's not true. Look, we all have been released from you. We belong to you now, and we're on the, we're on the kingdom of light. And when we sense darkness in our situations, our circumstances, I thank you, Lord God, that your light is far greater than that darkness. I pray that you would bring light into those people's hearts right now and that you would cause them to be able to be lights when they sense darkness around them, Lord, in Jesus' name. And I just sense that we've got some amongst us that kind of, you, you've, had a, you've had a measure of release of the prophetic, but, you've, but you kind of sense that there is so much more that God wants to do through you, and yet you've never... It, it's almost like you've got like the first fruits of it and never really pushed through. And I feel that God wants to take us beyond the, you know, kind of out, out, for, out beyond the breakwater into the deep waters, as it were. So you're, you're used to doing the prophetic in a, you know, uh, if you like, in the shallows, as it were. But you, there's been this kind of breakwater and you've never, you've never gone past that. And I believe that God wants to take us out into other things in terms of the prophetic. More, more accuracy, more perception of it. So if that's you, can you just raise your hand and we're, gonna, we're just going to get some team around you. Okay. Well, uh, do you want to go? Do you guys want to come forward? Because actually, we're, we're kind of out of time. So, if that's you, can you come forward, team? Can you come forward? But we're going to pray um, for a breakthrough and uh, and moving forward in the prophetic, go beyond the breakwater, out into the deeper waters, because that's the place where through. God brings real breakthrough into people's yeah. lives. Go come on, team. Guys, we we basically out of time we if you want to be prayed for for anything we will stay until we've prayed for every one of you so if you want ministry another word about having permission to pray for people out in the community if you want fresh sense of authority and permission uh, come and be prayed for we want to just lay hands on you so if you want want to receive at all anything from what's been shared and haven't been prayed for or want more prayer come to the front uh, and we'll pray for you but god bless you into the rest of this day uh, and may you richly meet with you uh, and into the rest of this weekend. God bless. Thank you for coming.